Oh, man, it's so good to see you all. Uh, thank you for coming. I uh, appreciate those who are watching online right now. Uh, we value you and consider you part of us as well. Uh, man, just kind of, a, kind of a history moment for me this morning on so many fronts, a historical kind of thing. So uh, if you've never been through a discovery class at our church yet, um, the actual vision for what is alive happened when I was in India visiting Rupak. Uh, I was with a different church at that time, and uh, we had just built a church in Nepal, uh, and, uh, and so met Rupak actually in this side, and then he asked me to come over and, and dedicate the building over there. And so at uh, that time, we were just commiserating in the lobby <laughs> about how I think that there was maybe 10 churches, and, um, and uh, now I, I think he, he leads over about 35-plus churches, and, and these are churches that are on the front lines uh, of church world, so... Do yourself a favor and stop by and, and greet Rupak. Uh, just amazing thing. When we first met, we have both have two girls and a boy. And uh, when we first met, Thomas, uh, my son, was this tall. And today, uh, Rupak said Thomas came out to hug him. And Rupak's like, oh, Thomas. Look <laughs> at <laughs> <laughs> that moment. And so we love you, brother. You're part of us. And, uh, and we'll figure out what God did with our relationship when we get to heaven. Uh, so anyway, and then the other historical piece that's kind of... Uh, Moving my heart today is this man who's standing beside me. Um, again, uh, some of you are just joining alive, and we're just getting started. But uh, back in the day when we were maybe four or 500 people, um, I was discouraged, ready to quit. You know, it just kind of happens in ministry sometimes. And so I called this man, and I said, hey, Mark, um, tell me uh, what's going on. Tell me how to get through this. Tell me how to, how to lead through this. And uh, that began a relationship where not only he kept me engaged, gave me a book to read, told me a uh, a blaze for God, and uh, and read that, and then um, then he actually shared with me some of the things he had learned as he had pastored the church he pastored, and so um, today it's just kind of like a celebration, and then we get baptism on top of all that. So uh, I'm kind of giddy. So thank you so much for being here. It's a big day. Uh, Mark Wilson is a, a faculty member at Southern Western University, teaching the religion department. Um, he is a pastor to pastors, I would say. Uh, he is an author. He's written two books, uh, Filled Up and Poured Out. Um, uh, very meaningful book to me as far as uh, the devotional piece of it and teaching you about uh, how to walk with God and what it means to live in his spirit. And then uh, this newest book I think he's written is, uh, is Purple Fish. And uh, he's going to be talking a little bit about Purple Fish today. And so you guys are in for a treat. Uh, he's my brother. I trust him completely. And he's part of our church uh, when he's not traveling and speaking uh, he and his family come to our church. So uh, let me have a word of prayer for you. Lord, thank you so much for my brother. I pray you give him the freedom he needs to share what's on his heart. Uh, let him pour into our lives as you have poured into him this week in his preparation. And may he sense that he's amongst people who love him, who share his heart. In your name, amen. Would you welcome Mark Wilson, please? Thank you. Hey, everybody. Wow, what a joy to be with you guys today. You know, I, I came from Hayward, Wisconsin, way up in the frozen tundra amongst God's frozen chosen, way up there. And I came down here south learning all kinds of beautiful southern things like the joy of grits and cheer wine, all, all kinds of fun stuff. And just yesterday I had deep fried Oreos. I didn't even know such thing ex existed um, at the train festival. Wow, there's just all kinds of fun stuff down here. Just having a blast. I'm, I'm a a uh, pastor cleverly disguised as a, as a university professor, and just having the time of my life. Love this church. Love your pastor, Pastor Tom and Lisa, are, are dear, dear friends. Uh-oh. Let's lean into the left here. Okay, well, anyway. Uh, and, and, and the staff, they're just great people. I, I go to the uh, traditional service 
uh, usually when I'm in, in town here. And, and then uh, we always sneak in here, too, to get the good music on this side. So it's just really fun to, to get it all the way around. Anyway, Jesus is the greatest treasure the world has ever seen. And, and there's no other treasure anywhere like him. And he's worth valuing, valuing, deeply valuing. Like, this is what worship is. It's treasuring the treasure. Here's Jesus, this great treasure, and in our hearts, we want to value and honor him. And that's, that's worship. Worship isn't just songs that you sing. It's an attitude of the heart. It's like this deep devotion. It's active love. It isn't just a feeling. It's doing something about it. And Jesus is this great treasure. And so we treasure him by exalting him. We treasure him by obeying him. But let me tell you a great way to treasure Jesus. This is like one of the best ways ever to treasure the greatest treasure. You know what it is? To treasure what he treasures. Now, what does Jesus treasure? The answer is people. Lost, broken, hurting people in particular, and that includes just about everybody here because we're all, to some degree or another, lost or broken or hurting. There's something going on in our lives. So Jesus just treasures you. We have no idea how deeply we are loved, how valuable we are, and you have no clue how valuable the person is who's sitting right next to you. I mean, if you realized how amazingly, wonderfully valuable they were, like when you sat down, you would have gone, wow! In fact, just look at the person next to you right now and go, wow! (laughs) Amazing! And Jesus is the greatest treasure the world's ever seen, and he treasures us. He treasures us. And so Jesus goes on treasure hunts. That's just what he does. When he came to this earth, that's what he was doing. He was on a rescue mission. He was on an everyday treasure hunt. And so every single day of his earthly ministry, he was just looking for lost treasures. Lost people are not lost causes. They're lost treasures. And so he's seeking us to save us. That's what he's doing. And so one day Jesus was on his way to Jericho and he was on a treasure hunt. And so he comes walking into the city and there's this blind beggar. And the guy is crying out, Jesus! Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And all the churchy types are like, shh, shh, be quiet. Jesus is too busy for you. He's too important for you. Just just settle down. Be quiet. And Jesus says, wait, wait, no, 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 no. What's your issue? I want to see. I want to see. Well, then receive your sight. Praise Jesus. This is awesome. So this is what Jesus does. He, He finds these lost treasures and he brings value and worth and joy into their lives. And then he goes on into the city and he meets Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the vertically challenged tax collector. I can relate to that. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. So Zacchaeus, this wee little man, he ends up climbing a sycamore tree because he wants to see Jesus. But what he doesn't realize is that Jesus was going there to see him. He's the reason why Jesus was there. And so Jesus comes into the city, and there's all these people all around, and Jesus makes a beeline straight to that sycamore tree. Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. Come on down, buddy. I want to come to your house today. Let's have barbecue together. What do you say? And, and wow, how cool is that? 
How awesome is that? Now, the, the churchy, churchy people, they weren't too thrilled about that idea. What do you mean? You can't believe it. This guy takes advantage of people. His life's a mess. This guy, why would Jesus be hanging out with somebody like that? Because he's a lost treasure. That's the reason why. Again, lost people are not lost causes. They're lost treasures. And so he seeks us to save us. But here's the cool thing. When we are captured by grace, guess what happens? He invites us to join him on the mission. We get to, part, to be a part of the treasure hunt too. We get to like go fishing with a mission. That's what we get to do. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's Luke 19.10. But then when Jesus comes to the end of his ministry and he's speaking to his disciples, he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We get to be a part of this too. How cool is that? That we get to join him. And and so what this means is the, the greatest treasure the world's ever seen, and then there are the ones that he treasures and values the most, And when we're with Jesus, guess what we get to do? We get to match those two treasures together. (laughs) Isn't that cool? What an adventure. I remember one day I received a phone call. This lady said, "Uh, Pastor, could you go pray with Mama and and baptize her? Uh, The doctor told her she only has a few days to live. She's in the intensive care unit. She's asking to be baptized. Would you please do this? And I said, I'd be glad to. So uh, I, I got in my car and I made my, my long journey. It was a long ways to a hospital. Well, we did have a hospital in Hayward, but if you're sick, you don't really want to be there. And so she, um, she was in the big city hospital and I'm, I'm driving up there and, I, and I'm realizing she's asking to be baptized. But really what she was wanting to know was, is my heart right with God? Have I made my peace with God? That's what she was trying to say. It isn't like baptism is like this magical thing. It's an outward sign of an inward grace. And what a joy, what an incredible thing that we get to do this today. Oh, what a beautiful, wonderful thing as we celebrate the grace of God in people's lives. But this is what it was for her. She, she just needed that. And so when I went into the room, there she was, just all hooked up with wires and stuff, and there were three growing daughters and a son, and they're all gathered around the, the bed, and, and, I, and I just came in close, and I said, um, you know, I, I know you asked to be baptized, but I, I'm guessing that what you're saying is you want to make sure that things are clear between you and God before you die. Is that what it is? Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. Well, let me tell you all about it. And then I told her about Jesus and his love and how he died on the cross and we can pray and ask him to forgive us and he washes it all clean like we'd never messed up ever in our lives and and he gives us a brand new home in heaven and and all you got to do is receive the free gift and do you want to receive that? Oh, yes, I do. And so then I prayed with her and she cried and we we just, oh, it was beautiful and and, and she said, would you baptize me now? And I said, I'd be glad to. And normally, I dunk people in, in, a, in a lake, actually. It's what I usually do. But um, you can't dunk somebody in an intensive care unit. And there, there wasn't any holy water there except for the ice water. So I just made that uh, holy ICU ice water right there. That was my baptism font. And I, I baptized her with the intensive care ice water. And then uh, everybody cried. It was just so beautiful. And then... Well, except the three girls cried. The son did, and he was as tough as nails. He was a, a logger. But anyway, we, we, we're all standing there, and everybody's like, oh, this is beautiful. And then one of the daughters, she's like, would you do that with me too? I said, what? You know, pray with me. It's like you did with Mama, and then baptize me too. Could you do that, please? 
I said, I'd be glad to do that for you. So I prayed with her, and then I baptized her with the holy ice water. And then, then the next daughter says, me too, me too, let me do it. And so I, I did the same thing with her. And then the third daughter, count me in. I can't, I can't miss this. And so I prayed with her and baptized her with the ice water too. And now the son, like I said, he was a tough cookie. He's standing there like this. And he's like, well, I guess I need it too. (laughs) (laughs) So I did the same thing with him. Oh, it was so beautiful. It was like heaven opened up and glory filled that room. It was the most beautiful thing that Jesus was here and he saves people and it's real and it's, it's wonderful. And oh, it was great. We would just rejoice together. And then I was on my way back to the, to the elevator and I hear somebody running up behind me. Preacher, preacher, wait a minute. It was one of the daughters. She fumbles in her purse. She pulls out five bucks. She goes, here, go have a beer on me, she said. <laughs> And so I did. <laughs> root beer. I had a root beer, okay? And as I was driving home, I thought, that is so cool. How awesome is that that I got to join with Jesus. I got to be with him. I got to be a part of this amazing adventure. I got to go with them on the treasure hunt. Oh, and I found lost treasures. I mean, these guys didn't know. They didn't know one end from the next. They didn't know much about the Bible or what, but they knew that they needed spiritual help and they found it. And that's what it is. You see, Jesus seeks us to save us and he mends us to send us and he invites us in on the great adventure and we get to join him in that. And that's what he did with Peter and Andrew, James and John. These guys are just fishermen, you know, on the side of the lake, and and they're fishing, and then here comes Jesus and says, hey guys, I got a completely different kind of fishing for you. Why don't you come treasure hunting with me? This is exciting. And they dropped their nets, and they came, and it changed their life, changed everything. So if this is so wonderful, then why are so many Christians uptight about evangelism? That's the question. Becky Pippert said, Christians and non-Christians have one thing in common. They're both uptight about evangelism. And I think the reason is because we have the wrong idea about it. Like, we, we think that somehow we have to pressure people or to manipulate people, hornswaggle people into things, push them into stuff, salvation salesmanship maybe, or, or maybe that you have to memorize a whole bunch of verses to use in shootouts with, with pagans. Maybe you have this idea. But really what it is, is just going along with Jesus and treasuring the lost, broken, hurting people the way he treasures them. That's what it is. Just going with Jesus and letting him do the work and you come along the side. He he catches them and he even cleans them. I mean, that's really cool. You just get to be his fishing buddy. What a cool thing is that, huh? So anyway, if, if you would like to do this, to go on this mission with Jesus, to go fishing with a mission, to go treasure hunting with Jesus. If you want to do this, I just I have some thoughts for you. Uh, first of all, if you're ready, if you're ready, he'll, he'll send them to you. But you got to be ready. Like, if you're not ready, he's not going to send them. Like, why would he send his lost treasures to you if you weren't ready? He, would, he doesn't want to mess up his lost treasures. So, so you got to be ready for them first. When Kathy and I moved to Hayward, it was a tiny little church at that point, and when we showed up, the nursery was just a storage room. I mean, it was supposed to be a nursery, but it was packed full of stuff. 
junk. I couldn't believe it. The nursery was full of junk. And so I remember the first board meeting, I went and talked to him about it. Um, hey, guys, uh, why is the nursery full of junk? And one of the board members said, well, you know, we haven't had any children here in a long, long time. We don't need a nursery. We don't have any babies in this church. Oh, that explains it. Later on that week, I was at the hardware store. My little boy was with me, and he saw a hummingbird feeder. He says, Daddy, Daddy, can we buy a hummingbird feeder? I said, no, we don't need a hummingbird feeder. I haven't seen any hummingbirds around our house. We don't need any hummingbirds. I've not seen one. Uh, We don't need a hummingbird feeder. Well, I bought the hummingbird feeder anyway, and guess what happened the very first day when we put up the hummingbird feeder? What did we get? Hummingbirds, yes. Yeah, and the very first Sunday after we spruced up the nursery, took out all the junk and set it up and made it ready for babies, guess what we had in there? Babies, that's right, yeah. Jesus wasn't going to send babies to them when they didn't have a space for them. Why would he do that? So if we're ready, he'll send them. How cool that we're building this wonderful um, addition for the church. Because what we're saying is we're being ready. We're being ready for the children. That's what we're doing. We're getting ready, getting ready. If you're ready, God will send them to you. Oh, he really will. There was a young lady named Tiffany. She was a member of the Ojibwe tribe. There was a reservation that was just a few miles away from, from where I served in ministry. And, and Tiffany didn't believe in Jesus or Bible or Christians and all of that. In fact, most Native Americans don't. And, and it isn't so much that they have a problem with Jesus. They actually like Jesus. I mean, he's cool because he's tribal and he he talks with stories, and he lived close to the land. I mean, he's much more Native American than white European. But but for some reason, and it has to do with history, um, it's Jesus' followers that they have a problem with. In fact, there's an Ojibwe saying, uh, beware of the white man with a gleam in his eye and a smile on his face coming to help you run as fast as you can in the opposite direction. And so, anyway, Tiffany was a member of the tribe, and our church early on was 100% white, even though 40% of our county was Native American. Now, there's a problem with that. And so we began to pray. We said, God, could you show us what to do to reach the tribe so that it's real helpfulness and not just unhelpful helpfulness. Help us to figure out a way to love them and to bless them. And and we began to do this work, and and good things began to happen, and people started coming to church and finding Jesus. It was really cool. But Tiffany shows up. We had a group for single moms, a mentoring program for single moms, and she came to that. I happened to be there on her very first night that she came. At the end of the night, she says, I have something to say. She said, I am not a Christian. My religion is Medeoan. She goes, and I don't like Christians, and I don't read the Bible, but I like you people, she said. (laughs) I like you people, so we didn't tell her we... We were Christians. <laughs> and we just ended up loving on her, you know? And, and the, the whole group just rallied around her. Her mentor loved her. One morning, Tiffany was on her way to work. She gets in her car, and this thought just came to her out of nowhere, the craziest thought she'd ever had in her life. Today would be a good day to give your life to Jesus. She goes, no, that's crazy. Not me. No, that's not my kind of person. I'm, that's not what I am. And so she tried to push that out of her head, and she kept driving to work. And it came again. 
Today would be a good day to give your life to Jesus. No, 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 no. That's impossible. And then it came again. Today would be a good day to give your life to Jesus. And then she looked up and there was a bald eagle circling around. Now, in a Native American context, that's a big, big deal. She went, oh, she pulled over to the side of the road. Today might be a very good day to give my life to Jesus. And so she turns around. She drove straight to the church instead of going to work. She walked in. She found one of my assistant pastors in the office. She said, today is a good day for me to give my life to Jesus. And so she prayed, and she gave her life to Jesus. And it was beautiful. God changed her life, transformed her, gave her a brand new joy, gave her meaningful purpose in her life. She ended up marrying a missionary, of all things. But there it is, you see. We had to be ready. We had to be ready. And when we were ready, that's when God sent her. The second thing is to be open. And if you're open, God will send you to them. Now, this is really cool, super cool, that if you're open, he'll send you to them. I want to challenge you to something. Try this. For the next five days, or maybe five out of the next seven, you begin the day with a prayer. God would you use me to be a blessing and an encouragement to somebody and send me to the person that needs you the most so I can just share your love with them? You pray a prayer like that and watch out. Hold on to your hat because he'll 100% answer that with a yes. He would love to bless somebody through you. He would love to send you to somebody who needs help and encouragement. Absolutely. That's what he's been waiting for. He just wants you to be open up to do it. You know? So do it, do it, do it. And if you do this, you know what happens? Every trip you take is a short-term mission trip. You don't have to raise money for it or anything. It's just a short-term mission trip. Like a trip to Walmart is a short-term mission trip. Just put on your pajamas and go straight to Walmart. (laughs) No problem, right there, short-term mission. And you go with your little shopping cart and you say, okay, Jesus, who am I going to bless and encourage today? Can you lead me to the person that needs you? And there's beep, 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 beep. And you just go right up and down there until you find them. There they are. Now, now don't, you know, don't hornswaggle them. Don't preach at them. Don't go to them. You're full of the devil. And if you drop the D, it says evil. That's what you are, evil. And if you drop the E, it says vile. That's what you are. You're just vile. And you drop the V, and that says ill. That's what it makes me when I look at you is ill, ill. And you drop the I, and it says L, and that's where you're headed straight to L. No, don't do that. Don't do that at Walmart. But what you do... It's just go underneath and you bless them and you love them and share the love of Jesus, the greatest treasure the world's ever seen and the lost, broken, hurting person that he treasures most and you try to match those up together. See, that's what we do. If you're open, he'll send you to them. And if you're willing, if, if you're willing, he will use you to make a difference for all eternity. See, he's just waiting for you to be willing. And sometimes uh, it's a big ask. Grace is free, but discipleship costs you everything. And sometimes he calls calls you to do stuff that you'd rather not do, but if you're going to say yes to Jesus, he'll, he'll take you to places that are way outside what you'd think. But it's always worth it. It's the greatest adventure. It's always worth it. Ask Pastor Rupak if it's worth it. Just ask him. He'll tell you. He'd do it all over again in a heartbeat. It's worth it. It's worth it.
There's a little boy who lives up in Hayward, Wisconsin. His name is Beckett. He's my grandson. I only have one grandson right now. He's the most amazing human being on the entire planet, the cutest kid on earth. I'll show you pictures afterwards. And, and when he was born, and my son named him Beckett, I thought that was kind of a different name. A little bit, I mean, it's not a family name. I know no one named Beckett. It just seemed like a strange name. In fact, when I told my mother, she said, Bucket? Why on earth would they name that kid Bucket? That's what I want to know. No, not Bucket, it's Beckett. Well, Ryan told us the story. He said, there's a young lady named Cheryl Beckett who was a graduate of Indiana Wesleyan University. And she was a gifted scholar. In fact, she received a full-ride scholarship for graduate um, work, and, but she turned that down because she felt like God wanted her to go to Afghanistan. And so she went straight to the poorest of the poor, the neediest of the needy in Afghanistan because she felt that's what Jesus wanted her to do. They were his lost treasures. She treasured them. And so she went. And one day when she was on a mission of mercy in a remote village bringing toothbrushes and medical supplies to people that needed it, some members of the Taliban attacked this little party and murdered them all, killed them. Only 32 years of age and she died. I'm sure that some people, when they saw that on the news, they said, what a waste. What a terrible waste. A waste of a life is what that is. But yet, even though she is dead, yet shall she speak. And she speaks in our lives. In fact, hey, my grandson's named after her. Because her story inspired my son so much. She said, I want my son to live a life of holy boldness like that. When, when little Beckett was born I, and I heard about this, this story, I started researching who she was. I found out that her daddy is a pastor in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so I, I thought, I'm going to call him and tell him that there's a little boy named after his daughter. So I call him up and I told him, and he said, thank you so much for sharing this with me. That means so much. He said, you know, that's the seventh little baby that's been named after her. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And if you could bring Cheryl back just for a minute to say, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Did you give your whole life here on earth for that? She would say, absolutely. Absolutely, because when you follow Jesus and you do this and you go with him, you're planting seeds that will matter for all of eternity and only eternity will tell the results of, of what this one life is all about. So if, if you're ready, he'll send them straight to you. If you're open, he'll, he'll take you straight to them. But you've got to be willing, no matter what the cost. Would you bow your head with me? Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would be with us this day and remind us of your redeeming grace. You've sought us out. You reached out to us. And you poured your love into our hearts when we were undeserving of it. That's what grace is. And then, Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have of sharing your love with the people around us. 
Help us to be full of compassion and courage. And help us to listen, follow the nudge, and do whatever it is you call us to do. And we'll praise you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.